guys, welcome to Call Me Whenever. I'm Shivani. And I'm Chinaza. And yeah, that's our duo. And today we have a special guest. Yes, um, we have Beverly native Ricardo Dale here with us today. He has a thriving nonprofit organization designed to mentor kids from trouble, troubled backgrounds, kids like himself. He realized at a young age that he couldn't continue to live the way he was and he decided to do something about it. He has graduated from Rowan University as a lone student representative of the Board of Trustees with his own nonprofit organization, Free All Minds, already up and running. He is also an international motivational speaker, has opened the Free All Minds Mentoring Academy, is councilman for Beverly City, and CEO of the clothing brand, Free All Minds, that promotes self-love and the importance of mental health. Thank you so much for hopping on our podcast, Ricardo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yep. So I think uh, it was really interesting uh, to... When we look for our guests, we look for something specific, something that, like, we have no insight towards, you know, a journey or something that they've just done. And I think Ricardo has, like, a resume of things that I have absolutely no insight towards, you know, like, so I think... And honestly, honestly, it's just incredibly inspiring to read a story like yours, and I think it really resonated with us, and clearly you've resonated with so many other people even beyond us we're probably the last people you're expecting your story to resonate with but we've seen how many lives you've touched with your story and we just would like to know more about what brought you to this point where you're a motivational speaker because you know um i think we take for granted how like you know in middle school and high school we've had motivational speakers or just like mentors in our life who have changed our life or the trajectory of our life so i just wanted to know a little bit more about how that journey has been for you how you found yourself there yeah so it was um it was interesting how i got into speaking i remember i was um doing an event it was my senior year i don't even remember what the event was for but I just know that one of my mentors had asked me, he was like, do you want to speak today? Like on your, on your story and of all the things that you've overcame. And at the time I'm thinking like, I didn't graduate high school yet. And I was still sleeping at my boy's crib. So I'm like, what have I accomplished? So I'm thinking like, there wasn't really much for me to talk about, but I always spoke to him about things that things that I'm doing and plans that I had and he knew even though to me I didn't think I accomplished that much he knew everything I had to overcome just to even be at my senior year in high school so he asked me to go speak and I just did it kind of like confused on if I should even be doing it and it just went extremely well and people you know related to me especially like the um the younger crowd the younger students because I was closer in their age and I related to them as far as like their background and things that they went through. And I was just talking about like perseverance. And I don't think that, the first thing that I, I really realized that you don't really have to have it all figured out to help somebody. Think Somebody might think that like, if you're not a multimillionaire, then it's like, what, what do you have to tell me? Like, if you're not extremely right. successful, what do you have to tell me? But you know, we all have something that we're insightful and we all have something that we're knowledgeable on that we can talk to people about and add to others' lives and pour into others' lives. And that was really the start of me speaking. And my my true passion for that really just ties into like just growing up and not really having somebody to constantly pour into me this knowledge 
not having somebody to tell me these things that I'm telling these other students about self-love, about perseverance, about the people that you're putting yourself around and the importance of the right people to, to be around and the importance of networking, like things that I go and I speak about, they're really just all things that I wish, you know, I was told more growing up. So I take all, all those experiences and everything that I went through and I try to use that in the best way possible because I, I feel as though, you know, you there's nothing, you don't go through anything for no reason. Like there's a reason behind everything. You just have to find that reason and use it for, you know, the best of your abilities. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I yeah. have a question about like, how did how did that transition happen from you noticing that you have a passion for speaking to starting your nonprofit Free All Minds? And how did that how did you even come up with that phrase Free All Minds? Because I mean I've heard it so many times and it's honestly a really good phrase. I think that like you've done a really good job of like that is like not only a brand but more so like a, a broad message and I think it resonates to a lot of people and especially like. Uh, Rico and I went to the same university at like at one point together, and our, that campus, like everyone knew, once free like the name free all mind, the phrase free all minds like went out, like we all knew whose nonprofit this was, like why this was happening. So like, how did that journey start? So with my with my nonprofit organization, that started my freshman year. Officially, it started my like towards the end of my sophomore year. But as far as doing the work without like actually having like the official documents, it started really my freshman year. I started just working with other organizations like First Star Academy was a mentoring program that I worked with for about a year and a half by the time I was in my freshman year. And I just like I fell in love with working with youth. I fell in love with being able to impact people's lives. And although there was a lot of programs that I was working with that did some amazing work. The whole time I was working with these programs, I feel like myself, I'm just like, I'm a creative. I always want to think about how I can make something better. The whole time I'm working with these programs, I felt as though, you know, like I would have did this differently. I would have did that differently. And I just got to the point one day when I'm just like, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to start my own program. Like I'm going to start my own nonprofit and I'm going to do all the things that I keep telling myself in my mind that would make these other programs better. And all the things that I felt as though these programs were missing and all the things that I felt as though I was missing as a kid, I'm, I'm going to put that into one program to really give people an opportunity to excel, like mentally and physically and spiritually. I just want to give people an opportunity and exposure to a life that they deserve. And that's really um one of the main focuses on my nonprofit. Yeah, a lot of students that when you're growing up in... um. A struggling background or you're growing up in a household where you're not you're not exposed to certain resources you know you're starting off life at a disadvantage so my main um my main drive to really start my my program was that like knowing that there was kids out there that are not going to get the same opportunities that a lot of people are getting in this country and me being somebody who wants to help them get that opportunity so i started my nonprofit my freshman year and I literally just jumped into it, doing the work. You know, I had people around me that had nonprofits. I had knowledge on it, but I really didn't like wait on it too long. I didn't take forever to plan. I really just jumped in and said, I'm going to do this. And I think that's one of the most important factors. And one of the things that helped me the most is being somebody that's like, I'm going to start. 
I'm going to start and I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm not going to start completely blind, but I'm not going to just sit here waiting and contemplating and hoping that I can do this. I'm just going to do it and I'm going to figure it out along the way. And I believed it every step of the way. And you know, when you believe in something so much, it has a crazy way of just making other people believe it. Like I, I believed wholeheartedly how, how powerful this message was and how big this was going to be that before I knew it, there was a large amount of people around me that believed in the message, the message a hundred percent, just because they saw how much I believed in it and how much life I spoke into it. Yeah, Rico, something that you told, you said actually earlier when you were even talking about your first experience public speaking in your senior year of high school was that you realized that you don't have to have everything all figured out. And it's crazy how it seems like that has continued to be a driving like truth that you've lived out in your the other endeavors that you've had in college where um I think I've heard a quote that's very similar to what you said where it's you don't have to have everything figured out to help someone underneath you or somebody who's striving to be where you are you just need to be one step ahead to help someone one step behind you I feel like I've heard that phrase a lot and I think that like your experience is a living testimony of that. Even just the fact that you're able to just public speak. I'm not sure in that story, was it that you had nothing planned and you just spoke for the first time or like did he give you time to prepare for that first time you to be speaking? No, I was just like, just go up there <laughs> and figure it out. Exactly. And like I've never, like I never did it before and it's just like, I'm the type of person, it's just like I just do. Like I'm just, I'm going to get it done, I'm going to figure it out. And... Like that's, that was the start of everything. Just me being open to, you know, taking opportunities. I think that's also such an important like message that like so many people need to hear. And I think while, why I was smiling <laughs> the t entire time you were talking about, like I just jumped in is because I think Chanaz and I are also very similar people in that sense, even with this podcast, like, of course, like you can plan as much as you want, but until you put it into action, it won't really matter. And like, even no matter what you do, there will always be problems, but you just have to learn to troubleshoot as you go. And so I think that like the fact that you, even you said that with, with your journey and the troubles that you've had, um, even with the nonprofit, it's, it's very interesting to hear that you also have a very similar thought process, um, in going into it, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's also really important and you were, you touched on this a little bit lightly, how, with, especially with students who don't have the same resources as other students, and that's an incredibly large conversation and huge problem in this country, especially in terms of academic um, resources and just like educational mentors and just like all of the inequalities that exist. Um, I think some people regarding like free all minds, like some people say that like for certain NGOs, like if there's already somebody doing that, then like, I, I actually watched a TikTok on this, <laughs> which is why I'm bringing it up. But um, they said, some people say, like, if there's already an NGO, like, that idea is already taken. Like, you have to think of something else. Or if, they, if there's some, someone already doing something similar, like a similar work to what you're doing, then you're going to have to find something else or work for those people. But what do you have to say to those people who, the naysayers that say, if there's an NGO that already exists with the same, a similar um, theme or a similar motive or goal, um, that that NGO doesn't need a new NGO doesn't need to exist. What would you say to those people who say that? I think you know there's always ways for you to you know separate yourself. There's always ways for you to 
be unique in any field, in any type of business. So I think it is really important to try to separate yourself from what other organizations around you are doing. But oftentimes, even if there is like an organization that is doing that similar thing, is that specific organization, are they in your city? Like, are they directly like in your city? Are they in your neighborhood? Maybe they're just in your state. That's still something that you could start in your city. That's still something that you can establish working at, like, are they working with, what demographic are they working with? Are they working with college students? Maybe they're working with high schoolers. Maybe you, high school students, maybe you establish it at your college. It's just really finding ways to, um, to separate yourself is like, I, I would say the most important thing. And honestly, like a lot of people are doing the same thing. Like I, like I hundred percent like disagree with that. Cause it's just like a lot of people are, have really, really similar ideas and organizations and are both excelling in their, in their fields. So ideally I would say you want to separate yourself. You want to be unique, but if you have an idea and you have something that you're passionate about, you having other organizations around you that do something similar to that would not be something that makes me think, Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this or I should go work for them because it's like, that's still something that this is something that you can do. And honestly, if you don't want to work for them, then there's probably something that you have planned that's different than what they're doing. Right. Yeah, that's actually so great because that's exactly, it's not exactly what the TikTok said because of course it was five seconds long, but the the woman who was speaking about it said like there's always some special sauce that you're adding to that that idea or that overall goal. And I can really resonate with this too because like as someone, me and Shivani are also like, well, we do the podcast, but we're also really interested and reaching back into our own communities like I'm really interested and I've been doing work in like Nigeria so I really resonate with what you're saying because like of course there's there's probably a thousand other organizations doing this doing similar work but is it the same exact work like we have a similar goal but overall like if you think about it like we all have a larger goal to make the world a better place. And then that continues to narrow, narrow, narrow down into your own communities and then the specific demographic you're working with. So what you said is spot on. I love that. And I feel like a lot of our listeners are going to, especially in this new year of 2021, <laughs> are going to be motivated to actually go for the things that they've been sitting on. Because I think a lot of what holds us back from achieving our dreams is really just fear. Either fear someone's already doing it, I'm not good enough, I don't have enough prepared. There's just so many question marks that aren't going to completely be answered. And there's a degree to which you can answer them and be prepared. But once you're prepared, let's not dwell in that phase of preparation because of fear of failure. Period, Pooh. I absolutely agree, you know. <laughs> um, but another question that I had, Rico, like speaking about your nonprofit and like the programs that you're talking about, are there any specific programs that you've done like recently um, in your city or like uh, younger kids that are is very memorable to you? Um, definitely, I would say one of one of my um, favorite programs is my entrepreneurship program, and it we I walk through the process of starting an LLC to educate them on the business side of things and like paperwork and everything but the bulk of the program is really just them brainstorming and creating their own business to market and to sell 
And it's just, it's one of my favorite things to do because the ideas that some of these kids have are just like crazy. Like you're like, you're like, wow, like to be like this age, to have so, so much like thoughtful insight and so create so many creative ideas on, you know, things that could actually be businesses. And those are all ideas that will just like go away in the wind if nobody ever steps in and lets them know, like, you know, you can actually do that. Like you're extremely passionate about it. You have all these plans, but it's kind of like a, a childish dream to them because nobody around them is telling them that, you know, that's realistic. Like you can actually make that sneaker. You can actually make that new type of um, video game or new type of phone or like clothing or like whatever technology, you know, you can actually do that. It doesn't have to be just like some crazy fantasy. So one of my favorite things is definitely my entrepreneurship program and really getting these kids thinking of ways that they can do something that they're passionate about and also make money and have the freedom to also work for themselves. And that's something that's like extremely um popular, popular, even like, quote unquote, like trendy nowadays. It's just like working for yourself and being um financially free. So that's something that like a lot of my students like really um you know, really gravitate towards is just like um, that entrepreneurship program is definitely something that's major. And when things open up again in my community center, we also have a workshop where students can make their own clothing. We have um, print and press where um, they can literally like design and print out and make their own clothing right in our community center. So we're going to be able to have them be creative, make their own designs, help them market it, sell it and raise money for themselves and and the programs. I love yeah, that. That's really that's really great. And like I guess a question I have towards that is in that um entrepreneurship academy, how are you how do you enable students to have like the financial resources and starting these businesses or the footing? Like how do you teach them to navigate all of those roadblocks that make it so hard, especially for underprivileged communities to have the resources to start businesses? Because I mean this has been happening this has been happening since the beginning of time right like specifically in underprivileged communities like um it's so important to have like local businesses as like the foundation of those communities and promoting commerce and business within the community to keep money within those communities instead of being like um exported to all of like these bigger businesses like target and um like walmart instead of like smaller businesses that have a lot of potential to promote growth within those cities and towns so how how is your program helping the youth to look towards those financial resources available that will help them jumpstart their businesses and careers? So the biggest thing that we push within business is really networking. And people hear it all the time, like networking, get around the right people. But that essentially is one of the biggest parts of really establishing your program, your your business, and you really getting to a point where you're financially stable is really putting yourself in the right places and putting yourself around the right people. There are grants out there for businesses. There is investors that you can get for your your business. It's really about you getting yourself around the right people and you figuring out what exactly is it that you want to do and you putting yourself around people who have done that before and finding a way to, you know, get it done. If it's like an extremely large project where maybe you need like tens of thousands of dollars to start, that's something where you're going to have to go, you're going to have to go out of your way and you're going to have to, 
you know, make these connections, you're going to have to reach out to somebody else and, and work with other people to really um, get guidance and help with that. If it's a project that costs maybe a few hundred or like a thousand dollars, that's something where you might have to. And even this is something as an entrepreneur, somebody who like I haven't like worked a nine to five and I don't know like how long, like years. As somebody who doesn't like work a nine to five, I do promote nine to fives to my kids because that is a stepping stone. Like you might have to go work a nine to five, even if that's not something you want to do. Maybe you're like, I don't want to work a nine to five, whatever. You might have to do that to reach your ultimate goal. You're going to have to, you might have to work a nine to five for a six months to a year to save the money that you need to establish your business to then be able to work for yourself. So I would even count that out of the picture. I don't think that's something that's um often talked about with like younger students is establishing a plan where you can make guaranteed money so that you can establish your business, which is actually your dream. I love that. Absolutely. I really do love that. Do you because... do you see like um because you work with kids quite a lot, do you see like a shift like you said that you don't really hear a lot of people um, talking about or pri prioritizing guaranteed money, do you see a lot of kids um, kind of fantasizing a lot about, oh, well, I'm going to do YouTube, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and just put in all of their energy in that area rather than having a plan, like you said. Um, do you see that a lot with the, the kids that you work with, or do you, uh, do, you not, do, you, do you not really need to have that conversation that often? Um, I would say definitely. I think I'm seeing it more now than we've probably ever seen it in the history of this country, of this world. Like we we live in a, a time of like instant gratification because we're the social media generation and especially this younger generation. They literally grew up on social media, even ourselves. We're the first generation that really like grew up on social media, like had social media and like middle school and high school like as kids like our parents and like our like older older siblings like they didn't really have social media like that in high school we're the first generation that grew up on social media and i think social media has a direct tie to instant gratification and because everybody's on social media blowing up overnight quote unquote with these youtube channels or blowing up overnight with this clothing brand or with this rap career everybody wants that like they're like, why? Well, like I want that. I don't want to have to go to college for four years, and then look for a job and build my way up when I could just do this right now and I could be a millionaire this year, kind of thing. And it's just like, yeah, like you can, like you could, but it's just like that's not going to happen for everybody. And you're not seeing the work that people are putting in behind the scenes. You're thinking it's happening overnight because everybody's posting all this luxurious stuff. Like everybody's winning, and it's just like, but they're like everybody's not and you're not seeing what all has to go into that so i do see a lot with um, my students of you know them just like them definitely not really wanting to take a the the quote unquote what was what was in the past a normal route like they don't want to you know go to college as much as i've seen in the past with past students as i um seen growing up personally students are not looking to you know, work nine to fives and go to college as much as they used to because there's just this um, push of like instant money. It's even talked down upon to have a nine to five. Like 
like people are like, I'm seeing videos on, of people like if you want to go sell yourself to a nine to five and waste your life. So like if I'm a kid and I'm growing up and I'm seeing right. these things and I'm seeing quick money and then I'm seeing people tell me, you know, I'm throwing my life away with a nine to five. I'm getting programmed to think that this is the only route for me. Do you think a lot of so, people are like going to continue to be phased by those that influence? Do you think that like a lot of kids in the next generation, like when we're in our 30s, like our children, do you think our children are basically not like they're really going to push to not go to college? Because our generation, I think like I'm first gen and like I think like we all have college is like a, a an understood thing that you have not you have to do but like that's just the next step after high school we're gonna go to undergrad and then we're gonna figure our life out and whether we want to go to grad school or get a nine-to-five job or do whatever but like under the undergrad experience is something that it has been now it's not even something that's like oh i i this is a luxury this is like a undergrad experience is now something that you all have to do but do you see our children kind of going the other direction of just not nah, like that's not cool like I don't I'm not doing college like that's not it <laughs> like do you see that happening or or do you think that there will be a shift maybe from the age that you're the the kids that you mentor do you see that shift from that age to maybe when they're in the early 20s for to them to, to realize that oh no like I, I do need to get higher education um I wouldn't say that there's going to be too much of a shift because as college becomes like just more like accessible like people are going to continue to go to school and that's always going to be something that's like a major driving force because our country pushes that like that's the only way you're going to like survive kind of like that's just like the message that's getting pushed constantly that you need to get this college degree so it's always going to be something that is there but I, I don't know how how much the numbers are going to go down on like just college enrollment but i do think that we're going to have more and more students that are looking at it as if you know this is not this is not the route for me and more and more students that are looking to be like entrepreneurs and will they also go to college i think probably i think a lot of them will still push to go to college but yeah i definitely think that we're having a raising number and just like people who are are looking at it as like I'm not going to college to work for somebody. Right. I think they still might go there, but I don't think they're going to work for somebody. We're going to see more students going in business, more students going into entrepreneurship. Yeah, I, I think I agree with most of what you're saying, but I also kind of do think like um, that depending on the way that college continues in this country is going to be dependent on whether kids continue to see college as worthy of a worthy endeavor of going through in order to get where they want to go because I feel like as in our generation you said how instantaneous things are and another thing that's so instantaneous in our time is knowledge and like so much of this knowledge that in previous generations like people had to like fight to get like because they were only on bookshelves and they're only in certain places like you no longer have to be in those rooms to have access to that knowledge like now we're like freely offering it up and people are educating themselves and teaching themselves and then like on top of that college is just getting so much more expensive year after year after year and I feel like if this this country changes that like other countries have and makes it more higher education more freely accessible then I feel like 
um, this is like my personal theory, like my hypothesis. I feel like the bubble of education is gonna burst and less and less students are gonna go to college and like you said, become entrepreneurs or like figure out ways to, if it's not in academia, to get where they wanna go, if they don't wanna be like something pre-professional, um, like a doctor or a lawyer or something in business or academia, then, or a teacher, then they're gonna have to, if it doesn't require education, of a higher caliber, like a higher caliber or whatever, then they're not gonna pursue it because the debt in this country is really something different. Like leaving college with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and then having to pay that is something entirely like a whole different conversation when we think about success and what we envision success and security to be, especially for the younger younger generations. It's so so much harder to tell people to go into college um, if it's not to get if they want to go into entrepreneurship anyway or start their own business. So, um, yeah, that's just, like, my two cents on the thing about it because I think I will definitely, like, agree with you with, like, 9 to 5, like, that people should continue to do 9 to 5s and that we shouldn't shame it because even, like, even at Harvard, like, people, like, a lot of people go into corporate America and then certain people will shame them and be like, oh, especially, like, if you're, like, if you're black, they're like, oh, you should be doing, like, community work or you should be doing like NGO work, which is true for the people who want to pursue that. But then some people also just want to create general generational wealth for their families and start at that basis and work from there. And then maybe use their positions in those higher companies to leverage money back to their communities or like to black communities. So yeah, I just, that that's just my two cents on the whole entire thing. Um, I think I, it's I an interesting perspective though, because I listening to both of you, I think that like I see both sides. I see... I see that, you know, if it is more accessible, I think I think the way corporate America is is that, like, you're required to have a bachelor's or, or the minimum in associates. So if they continue to have that, and who knows? Like, I feel like even 20 years ago, I think a lot of uh, positions, they did not require certain certain degrees and now you see that almost every position that you that like a, a very base basic minimum like position requires like a bachelor's I think like even a retail I, I don't know I think I had a friend she was applying to like a retail position and like one of the things that it required was a bachelor's just like a, a bachelor's like why do you need a bachelor's for a retail job like <laughs> that doesn't make any sense but they're I, bugging right they're, sorry. they're bugging <laughs> but I think that like because of that I see Rico's perspective where where if every position, if every job, if every position requires a bachelor's, then it's just going to become a norm. It's just going to be high school part two at that point. Um, and I think, I think we all have kind of felt that even, I mean, I feel that being an undergrad student, like I feel that like a lot of the courses that I'm taking has, there's no point in me taking these courses. It's not really going to help me with what I want to do in life, but it's just something that I have to do and the degree that I have to get to, to get into grad school. Um, but then I also see, Chana, like, I see Chinaza's perspective as well, where you just never, you, if more and more people realize that, like, hey, like, I can just not, I don't need to do this, like, I don't need to go into this massive debt, I don't need to uh, put myself through these four years of gruesome work when I can put the same amount of gruesome work towards something that I'm passionate about, um, if more and more people students realize that then yeah there there can be a massive shift i think time will tell you know um how the united states you know how it goes how it goes and <laughs> also hopefully yeah. debt 
is not as big a problem. I'm really hoping, and guys, this is just something that I'm praying for. Maybe y'all can pray with me. I'm praying that Joe Biden just forgives all the debt in this country. I don't I'm think that's happening. That's not happening. Come on out. <laughs> like, I feel like there's a little bit of a chance if he forgives all that academic debt that we're all carrying. That sounds just like, like a Bernie Sanders move. That does not sound like a Biden move. <laughs> I agree, but like if the Morehouse... Was it the Morehouse president? No, it wasn't the Morehouse. It might have been an alumni from Morehouse who forgave all of the debt of that class. Like, if he can do it, Joe Biden, follow that man's lead. We can do it, too, because I feel like debt forgiveness would actually jolt the economy a lot. Like, that's just my opinion. Absolutely. Because, like, all of the money that goes towards... Like, I think I saw a tweet the other day that said, oh, I finally paid off the first 2000 dollars of my fifteen thousand dollars of debt and now i owe fifteen thousand six hundred thirty three dollars because of the way the interest accrues so we're handing all this money like this spending money um disposable income back to the people that we needed the education for and by the time we're making money we have to pay like we might be paying our kids um kids undergrad because we don't want them to go through the same thing we went through or something like that so yeah, I just think that I don't know. I've got into this economic conversation. This is probably not what you signed up for. <laughs> Speaking but, of um, politics, yeah. Rico, tell us how did you get into this whole? I mean, Rico is councilman for those that didn't, uh, you know, pay attention to the bio. Um, so Rico, like, tell us because I, I don't. I think that how many months in? I think like seven. I'm two months. Oh. No, I'm only two months in. Yeah. Two months in. Yeah, so, like, tell us more about, uh, like, how did that all start? Because I think, uh, to preface on social, like, how I remember it is, um, on social media, of course, like, everyone remembers, like, what happened in, in June, and, um... I think that a lot of people, of course, were very just mad and there was just so much passion and it was the first time that I think real conversations with people that really needed to have these conversations were being had. And I remember that um, Rico posted that he was going to run for councilman um, of, of his city, uh, Beverly City. Um, and so how did that all start? Like, uh, if you can go into it a little bit, Rico. So it's something that, like, I've always had a passion for just, you know, giving people a voice. And I've always had a passion, passion for just fighting for those around me, for all people in general. So it was, like you said, it was after the the murder of George Floyd. I was like extremely, I was extremely angry and I was trying to process everything. And I was really looking at our country and I was looking at those people that are in positions of power and the lack of you know, policies and the lack of laws that they've put in place to, you know, prevent things like that from happening. And I saw a whole bunch of people just angry, acting out, like extremely frustrating and posting all this stuff. But I've seen it before. I've seen it happen with Trayvon Martin. I've seen it happen with numerous people. And, you know, we get really angry. And then in a month or so, like, you go on with your life and I'm like I don't like I don't want to like I don't want to do that like I like I want to things really need to change and I feel as though the best way for me to make a change I don't know if this is for everybody 
I do believe everybody can get involved in some type of way, but to actually go into politics, you know, maybe that's not a route for everybody. But I felt as though, you know, the best way for me to change, make this change, is for me to really get involved. And I think that I'm in a position where I can do that. And if I'm in a position where I can, you know, get involved and make this impact in this way, like, why, like, I would be a fool not to. Like, for as much as I'm, as much as I care about this, and for as much as this is needed, I would be a fool not to, you know, really put myself out there and get involved in this field that desperately needs representation, desperately, desperately needs representation that is different from the representation that it's had for the last however many years. So that was really, um, that was really the deciding factor. Like that week, I reached out to numerous mentors. I reached out to different public figures and government officials and told them about like my plans of the work that I'm trying to do from congressmen to senators. And granted, it's a unique situation because probably most people do not have those contacts. So maybe like just anybody couldn't have. Oh, no, I just got to call my phone was supposed to be on do not disturb, but maybe just anybody couldn't have went and done that the way that I did it as quickly. But I think that was one of the deciding factors for me as well as I, I felt as though, you know, I have the connections to really put myself in that space. So this is something I have to do for those who even want to do it and can't. Right. Or it's a lot harder for. So, you know, I reached out to people. I got in contact with um my superintendent. And after talking to my mentors, they were like, the first step that I would take would be school board. It's a um it is a political position, but it's like a lower level um political position as people would kind of see, but it's a good stepping stone for you to really learn and get involved in the community. So that was the first position that I got into actually in June was my position on the school board. And from the school board, I was, um, I was only there for about five months and really, you know, getting involved, learning the ropes, um, beginning to, um, really be more vocal on, different subjects around, um, you know, students, especially underprivileged students and equal access to opportunities for all students. And then the opportunity came about for the council position because a member of the council had actually stepped down and there was a vacancy. So when there's a vacancy, it is up to the council to appoint somebody. And my name was a name that was constantly brought up because of how many people I reached out to in the area when I made that decision. So when the position opened up, my name was one of the, one of the um, number one names that everybody was like talking about. They're like, this is the guy that like, y'all need to reach out to this guy that you need to talk to. And that was happening behind the scenes. I didn't even know about the opening. I didn't know about my name being in the, um, you know, a name that's constantly talked about, but it was, and a party reached the democratic party reached out to me and they're like, they want me to come to like one of their meetings. And I didn't know this was about the council position. I thought they just wanted me to show up to the meeting. So I literally was like this close to not even going. <laughs> like I was on campus. I was on campus at the time at Rowan that whole week. And I just had a ton of work to do. And I'm like, it was at seven o'clock at night. I had a ton of work and I was 50 minutes away and everything in me was like, I really, part of me was really like, I'm not, but I'm not, but it's just a meeting to, you know, like discuss some of the same things that I'm going to be probably discussing 
at my school board meeting. Or I can go like another time. Like, I don't know if I got to make this specific one because it was just a very hard week for me. And the fact that I wasn't in the area at the time, like I literally almost didn't go. But something told me to just go to that meeting. And that meeting was my first interview kind of to be um, recommended for the council position. And it's just like if I would have missed that, I probably would not have been like in that position today. So I went to that meeting. They they interviewed me. They talked to me about it. I was kind of confused. I'm like, wait, what the heck? Like, are y'all interviewing me right now? I thought we were having a meeting. Come to find out the meeting was really about me. So that happened. They pushed my name forward. Later down the line, in October, they voted on my um, my name for the council position. And I ended up getting the council position. And that's really that's really how it happened. And I would say it really happened from me just really being extremely passionate and me having years of work in this um in this area in this community and the connections that I needed to really get into that space and when it comes to politics it really is like if like any job really or any position is really a, a lot of who you know but politics is really heavily like just being around the right people and knowing the right people and also with my councilman position it can be depending on how much work you put into it, it can be very, um, it can be very, um, time consuming and very tiring. And we do not get paid for my city because we're a small, we're a small city and a lot of small cities, their councilmen, even their mayor does not get paid. So this is like for like a mayor of some towns, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of work for you not to get a salary and starting out in politics. These are jobs that a lot of people, these are positions that a lot of people have to be in to, you know, move up the ranks in politics. So the biggest thing that I've learned getting into this field and when you look around in the politics, you don't see a lot of people coming from low income backgrounds. And you're like, why don't you have representation of like middle class workers or people from low income backgrounds? And it's really just all these wealthy people who are only tailoring to their own people. You're like, why is you know, why is that just the only demographic? You have to even look at what it takes to get into those positions because how many people from a low income background can afford to work these positions for free for years? You have to, it, this is a, a rich man's field. This is a well-off person's field Absolutely. because you have to be, you have to be a, a level of established to even take a lot of these positions because of the time commitment people 23 24 years old cannot take these positions a lot of times because they don't have the the time to put that commitment in they're working on trying to figure out their life and be established financially and now you want them to take on like these burdens so a lot of times these positions are really set up for people who are well off and whose families have been in these positions and it's also a a field of you know, it's, it gets passed down, you know, this person's uncle, this person's cousin is just like, it's connections, and it's your financial status. And that is a big, um, you know, a big barrier when it comes to people from different demographics and different backgrounds getting involved. And that was uh, another one of my major deciding factors in why I wanted to get involved, because I knew I was in a position where I could do it. And yeah. I had, like, I I almost felt like, you know, I had to for those who couldn't. Yeah, Rico, your story, I feel like it exudes so many 
lessons like you haven't you haven't really explicitly said the lessons but they're really coming out throughout the story and one of them that I've heard and my dad says this all the time is just like knowing the politics of life as you grow up and what that means and I think that um, one of the lessons that we can take from your story is really to always do the little extra the little extra step that no one else does to set yourself apart and make yourself break those barriers because what privilege is, is the fact that certain people don't have to do that in order to get to the position you are. I'm, I'm sure there are, I don't even know how many council, council men who are just somebody's son and happen to just fall into the position. But for people who aren't traditionally, like untraditional backgrounds or non-traditional backgrounds who need to be in these fields to represent their communities and their people who aren't being represented in such important positions of power, it's so important that we remember why we're doing it and remember to always give it our all our, 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 our all when we're there i think that's so important because your story about putting yourself just in a in positions to be called upon to be appointed to be selected because like if you didn't network the way you did you're saying you wouldn't have gotten the position or if you weren't if you didn't come to that meeting um you wouldn't have gotten that position and i feel like sometimes when we're seeking so much instant gratification we forget the importance of doing the work when no one's eyes are upon us. Like if there's no Instagram story commending us for doing what we're doing or like if there's no, like nobody cheering us on, like where are we going to find the motivation or the internal drive to take that next step regardless? Because I'm sure when you were Be Beverly Councilman, everybody start, had something to say to congratulate you. Everyone was sliding up on your stories, but they didn't know all the work it took to get there and all of the behind the scenes work you did. So... I think it's important that we, to our generation, that we even share those stories, like the process, so that people can understand more fully what it takes to get there, instead of just thinking, oh, like, that it's just a simple application or just a job interview, when it's, there's so many more steps before that, and to put that extra step, even if it's not in politics, like, in their workplaces, like, I can't, like, I feel like we forget that it's, it's people who are appointing us. It's people that are promoting us to the next position. So the way that you can be promoted is by making connections, like you're saying, by networking, by doing that little extra something for the right person um, in your fields, whatever fields that may be. It could even be law. It could even be medicine. Just like sending a Merry Christmas card can make the difference, Not even, not even necessarily having always the best work and being quiet it's important to make yourself known and to market yourself and brand yourself and i feel like you're a really good perfect example, example for our listeners Absolutely. of someone who marketed themselves and had the skills necessary yes of course but also made sure to make sure that those other connections were in line and to make sure that people knew your name so that they could call on you when they needed you yeah definitely Absolutely. and i think um you you touched on it directly it's just like you know it's more than you know just being like good or being um being like great in your field and it's about like those connections and those networking and that networking and i've been talking to a lot of some of my um mentees slash like friends that are like um in college right now like and really just trying to figure it out and i've been constantly like talking to them about really putting yourself around people who are doing what you want to be doing and right. you know everything that I've done and everything that I've um everything that I have accomplished so far that people are seeing and it might even seem like it's overnight and it might even seem like he's just talented and he's just gifted or he's just a smart guy 
everything that I have done has came from me just putting myself in the right places, in the right spaces, around the right people. And yes, you know, you put hard work in. And yes, I'm talented in my field. But I know people who I started out with my freshman year, and this is no knock on them, that had amazing ideas, amazing ideas for nonprofits, amazing ideas for businesses. And the only difference between me doing what I love to do and doing what they also told me that they want to do and them not doing that is them just not sticking to that course and not putting themselves in the right spaces and not looking at it as like as if it was a realistic goal and so many people especially like my graduating class 2020 across the country not just rowan so many people are like struggling to get jobs right now and you know it's especially like with the pandemic but in general you know students are struggling more and more to get jobs now because the degree is just not worth as much as it used to be it's not like you just get a degree and you're gonna 100 percent get a job anymore and that really comes down to just the the spaces that you're in like if you're not around people that are where you want to be at in life right now like while you're in college at 18 19 20 years old if you don't have three to five people that are where you want to be at in life like your your goal like your your top-notch goal if you don't have people that are around that environment then you know you're really setting yourself up to be at a disadvantage because it comes down to those connections it's no mistake that the close one of the closest persons to me in the world runs a successful nonprofit like there's like it's not it's not a coincidence you know i put myself in that space i put myself around him and i and i learned from him and i stayed i stayed around him for the last 10 years and if somebody sees my organization and they're like dang like, you know, he just got up and running, like, mad quick in the last two to three years. It's like, nah, like, I've been learning for the last 10 years without yeah. without even doing it purposely, but just knowing, like, oh, this is something that I care about. This is something I'm going to put myself around. I've literally been in that field for the last 10 years. I have mentors right now that I'm around that are, I have a mentor that is a senator. I have mentors that are councilmen. I have a mentor who's on Congress that I talk to frequently and when I go to advance in my political re- career, and I do plan to eventually run for Congress as well. Period. And I'm yes. in these positions. This podcast is going to pop off it. when you're a congressman, let me tell you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, this connection will still stand strong. Call me whenever podcast will reach out to you again when you're a congressman. And we you expect to receive a call back. <laughs> there better be a call you. back, Rico. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you with the call back. But yeah, when I eventually run for congressman and I and I do these things that I've been planning on doing, it's not something that, you know, is going to just happen overnight. And it might seem like a, a overnight victory with the with how young I am accomplishing these things. But these are things that I've been putting into perspective for years. These are things that I've been like meeting and putting myself around the right people for years. And I'm going to constantly keep on doing that are establishing myself to be able to really make that leap for me to get into these positions so like the biggest thing that I, I tell like a lot of my um the younger students that I work with is just like you know it's really everybody says it like it's networking it's your circle but no like it's literally like I like I had a meeting the other day with um one of my friends and I'm like literally bro like you you cannot get to the end of this year without telling me five people that are where you want to be at in life that you have a, that you can call right now like i want you this year bro like i don't want you to end this year and i have a conversation with you 
and you don't know five people that are where you want to be in your field like you got to build those relationships you got to make those connections i don't care what you got to do i don't care if you got to google people and start calling people randomly and just say you want to sit down and talk with them right. like i need you to make those connections and i need you to build those those relationships of people that you can learn from like i like i don't come to me at the end of the year and not have that you know established absolutely i think that's yeah. so and, important that you say that um because I think we always preach, you know, Chanaz and I, like, connections are so important. Like, whether whether we talked about, like, the college applications or just being cl- close with your professors because you never know, like, maintaining a relationship with your professors g- can get you from an A- minus to an A or a B- plus to an A-. minus. Whatever it may be, I think the the main theme in a lot of our conversations, and especially this conversation, is that, yes, networking is so important because not only do you want to surround yourself with the people that have a similar mindset as you because that it's it's all about it's all about what goes on in your brain so if you surround yourself with people that have the same goals and aspirations and the same drive as you then you're going to continue to have that same drive and you're going to continue to to strive for the goals that you have but if you bum out and you have friends that you chill out with all the time then your then your mindset is going to drop like goals that you once had and the aspirations you once had it's just it's going to be a lot harder because you don't have those, you don't have that support system. I think that's the, because Rico, I'm sure you have a, you have your small knit group, but they're all your supporters and you support them. They support you and you support them. And I think that's so important to have, have that and have, have those mentor mentee relationships and the connections. Cause you never know who is going to be where, when, you know? So we have a tradition here on Coming Whenever Podcast where we choose a song and, you know, we all sing it. No, and she I always... sings it. Shivani, you know you love to join <laughs> she sings in it. and sing it too. And we always extend it to the guests too to sing. I think every single guest we've had so far has sang a song with us. So, I mean, if you have a song that's coming to your head that, like, falls in with the theme, then go ahead. Does it, do you have an idea of anything? Um, I don't know. I feel like... Uh... I don't know. Oh, well, that's all I good. Think, I can't think of nothing off the top of my head. It's all good because I have. <laughs> I kind of want to think of something. Though. I, I kind of yeah. I kind of want to think of something so you don't pick some crazy song. <laughs> oh yeah, let's <laughs> not get crazy. It's okay. I'm prepared. Have you heard of "Where's the Love" by Black Eyed Peas? Maybe. No. I know it, but I don't know. I don't know the words like that. But that's it's okay. Cool. We'll jam out. Rico just... and I will jam out while yeah. you sing. <laughs> don't be afraid to join in. You know you're gonna want to. You know the chorus? Right. People killing, people dying, children hurting, hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach? Or would you turn the other cheek? Bye it just sounds so nice with you singing it. I don't want to even, I don't even want to um, mess that up, you know? Thank I wouldn't you, even want to interrupt. I'm going to just bob my head. I'm going to just bob my head. I'm like, yo, she got it. Yo. Angel, that's me, you know. Oh, my God. People yeah, are we'll lying just leave it to you. At that I don't know what to today. tell you. <laughs> People are lying to you. Anyway, I'm Shivani, so glad. you actually said I had a go back in the episode lineup. You said I had a good voice, okay? So if you want to refresh your memory, you can check back in our episode logs. But overall, that's all we have for you guys here today. I think that... Rigo said it best, like, anybody who wants to advance in their career, listen to this pod. Like, I mean, you've probably reached the end already, so you have already listened to it, but share it with your friends because this is actually a very important, valuable life lesson that could change the course of your life or your friend's life to know that being in the right place at the right time is something that you have control over. It's not a stroke of luck.
Like, he didn't get, Rico didn't get lucky. He planned for this. And you can do the same thing and take control of your life as well. So, you know, that's all we have for you here today on Call Me Another Podcast. You know, make sure that you um, subscribe, comment, <laughs> five-star review, as always. You guys already and know. Rico's, con- also his connects, please. Um, follow him on social. If there are any plugs that you'd like to make, Rico, this is a great time to make them. Yeah, y'all can follow me on um, Instagram at free all minds, free all minds um, underscore, and it's spelled as um, just free all minds. <laughs> <and underscore>. Yeah, <laughs> and so, remember to search yeah. for Call Me Whenever on Spotify to listen free. We love Spotify. Of course, there's a division between Chanaz and I, but Spotify the, for the win. You already know. Apple Podcast is also great. You know. If you have the app. Yeah, and you can but, subscribe yeah. on Apple Podcasts. And like she said, give five-star rating and then criticize us. But I think that this podcast, please do share like she said. I think this this is a really uh, interesting story and journey to just listen about and and get the important life lessons that Chanaza talked about. That there's so many life lessons that Rico has gone through so early yeah. in his life that I thank you for the privilege um, for, you know, for letting us listen to the story um it was definitely very insightful um yeah, and, and so, as always call, call me whenever, whenever.